In a complex world brimming with new ambitions, the best leaders create the best workplaces. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers Podcast, where you can hear real stories about digital capabilities and a culture of empowerment with your host, Joanne Meyer. Welcome to the Oil & Gas Global Network's Digital Doers Podcast. And um, we are part of the OGGN, as we affectionately refer to the Oil & Gas Global Network. We are part of the largest community of oil and gas podcasts in the world. Uh, I think we now have about 20 different podcasts, and I'd encourage you to check out the others. But today, you're here with us on the Digital Doers Podcast. We're going to be talking about data today, and this is kind of a series. I don't know that I'd like to take credit and say I planned it this way, but I'm not sure I deserve that. It was kind of serendipitous. But the last or the, the next few and the, the last episode is really going to be about uh, data. And uh, Dave Supp, who uh, is on the episode that dropped on um, December 14th or 15th, um, talked a lot about something he called citizen data analysts. And he was just referring to the fact that so many people today, particularly the younger generations, the folks just coming out of university, you know, they have tremendous analytics skills. And everybody is wanting access to and consuming data today, not just these data scientists, we used to refer to these folks, but that's kind of a set of skills that many folks in technical professionals technical professions in particular, they now have. Um, so today, my two guests are going to talk to us about how to make it easier for people to actually access that data and consume it and use it um, to, you know, to create uh, some really good things. So we're going to do that in just a minute. But before we go there, I, I, I want to say thank you to all of you that are listening, that figured out how to punch all the right buttons on a device somewhere, and join us for this conversation. Um, also, of course, I've got to say thank you, I uh, want to say thank you to HPE. HPE is our sponsor. And, you know, HPE, HPE has a whole team, a whole group of folks that have experience and skills, and their focus is in the oil and gas industry. And so they can help whatever you're trying to do. And... They're, one of their, their newest uh, offerings, although maybe a year or more older, but it's called their GreenLake platform. And again, it's kind of about data and being sure that you can have access to your data wherever you need it. So uh, at your edges, uh, in your, at your data locations, wherever it is, um, their GreenLake platform is all about bringing the cloud to you. And so um, with that, I think we're going to get started and, and try to talk, talk to my guest today. Um, so uh, the, the, the folks that are with me today are with Ericsson. And we have Varun Parikh, and he is the Director of Business Development for Energy uh, for Ericsson in North America. He has over 22 years of experience in the telecom industry. And he's excited about helping uh, the oil and gas industry, many companies in the oil and gas industry, uh, to see and uh, learn how private cellular-based networks can help unlock value 
and aid them in their digitization efforts or their digitalization efforts. And so uh, I'd like to say welcome to Varen. Thank you, Joanne. And then joining us today, uh, joining Varen and I, is Amar Sabag. Uh, and, and he's joining us from the Middle East, so it's we're cutting into his dinner hour, I think. Um, but Amar is uh, an expert in IoT, 4 and 5G, and with a focus specifically on the oil and gas industry. And he's an explorer. I've been I found out that he's an explorer about all kinds of things, technology. So he's most of his career has been in advancing innovation within large companies like Ericsson, but he spent some time with Time Warner Telecom and Marconi, where he launched new products, solutions, and, and made those companies some money. He has a wide experience in enterprise solutions for oil and gas, ports, and smart cities. Um, he studied in Portland, Oregon, um, and he has a, he's an electrical engineer, um, and so welcome to both Varen and Amar. Thank you, Joanne. We are very happy to be here. Thank yeah. you for hosting us and thank HPE, who's our partner also for hosting this event. Excellent, excellent. And so what I want you guys to do, because when uh, I first I met Varen and we started talking about you, you guys being on the, the podcast, uh, it took me, because I am not a, a, a digital native, I am uh, uh, definitely a consumer and a user and I look for simplicity, but... I really was intrigued by the approach um, that Varen described that how you guys are trying to help oil and gas companies, the workers in oil and gas companies, have access to their data. Um, so tell me a little bit about what you guys do. Sure, well, we can uh, we can definitely uh, give you a little bit of background on uh, Ericsson. So uh, Ericsson uh, started uh, probably over 145 years ago in Stockholm, Sweden. So it's a Swedish uh, Swedish company, um, and it started out as a as a telephone repair business out of uh, out of our founder's kitchen. Um, and over the years, it's been, of course, one of the the, the focal uh, focal uh, technology companies in the in the role of, of providing communications, whether it's um, you know your 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 telephones that we used to have in, in our homes, or whether it's mobile phones more recently providing you know global mobile communications to many of the different operators like your AT and T's, Verizon's, and T Mobiles. Um, and today, of course, it's it's you know its focus is on four G, five G, and then you know ultimately uh, relatively soon six G. And, and the idea for oil and gas is that we are what, what we're looking to do is to take that same technology that we're using that powers our mobile phones that we use every day and we rely on uh, you know, on, on an everyday basis and to implement that in industry and of course oil and gas is one of those industries and, and the whole idea is that you know the the technology has inherent capabilities such as reliability and robustness and security that we really think that these industries like oil and gas and manufacturing and mining can really benefit and extract more value out of what they're doing. So that's the kind of the central premises around, uh, around, around private cellular networks. Amar, I'll let you uh, jump in and add any, anything additional there to, uh, to, to the introduction. No, no, thank you, Varun and Joanne. 
one thing, I mean, you mentioned the digital natives. And in the oil and gas industry, there are two major issues or concerns. One is the safety of the workers, and that's why we focus on connected workers. And the second one is attracting young generation, which are the digital natives. And the reason for that, the average age of the oil and gas industry workers is 57, which is, as you know, it's a, still a young person, uh, Joanne, like us, but uh, <laughs> they need to attract the younger generation. So to attract the younger generation, they need to have, you know, as uh, Varen said, cellular connectivity. They want to be connected everywhere. And connectivity in the oil and gas, you know, where typically they are in remote areas, middle of the desert or in the sea, is a challenge. And you want it to be connected for health, uh, for communication with the family, and for communication with each other. And uh, currently, you know, the situation now, they're not connected. They're connected in some spots, you know, like indoor with the Wi-Fi, but not anywhere on the facilities. And if you go to further remote areas, they are totally unconnected. So with the cellular network, which, as uh, we mentioned, uh, you know, everybody experienced the 5G network, which is covering the whole U.S. and even with the satellite backup, we want to transfer this experience that all of us as consumer enjoy to the industry. And industry like oil and gas and other remote uh, like ports and uh, mining, they are really going for uh, connectivity to roll out uh, several use cases, and one of them is connected worker. Okay. And finally, if I may say, you mentioned the data, uh, the you know podcast that you had two days ago, which we listened to you know yesterday. Data in the oil and gas industry, you have like multiple companies operating in oil and gas. You have the operation companies, you have the maintenance companies, and you have others. Each one of them has their own data collection and has a huge data coming out. How can you really, if you want to do some autonomous operation or some uh, you know, remote operation, you really and make sense of what's happening? Because everybody talks about digital twin, AI. It's all possible, but you really need to have one platform. You mentioned HPE platform. And the same with us. You really need to connect all the assets, you know, thousands of assets on the platform, in the refinery or in the offshore, to one network. And this network will take it up to the IoT platform where things are analyzed and uh, intelligence is being made there. Thank you. Yeah. And so I think you're right. We, we, we particularly think about the younger folks and, and I'm, I'm not that young, but I'm certainly spoiled by my experience in my personal life, right? I pick up my phone um, and I want to, you know, hit that icon for that app and I want everything I need immediately. I don't like to sit there for two or three or four seconds you know, imagine that. But, you know, we don't like that. And the younger generations really don't like it. I mean, it's a, right, it's a defect to them to not have very immediate. Um, and I, I, Amar, your, your, your discussion around these work sites that may be remote, whether it's in the middle of the desert or it's out in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico, and you're exactly right, you don't just have one company out there. You may have a dozen different companies 
They all have their own devices. They are all trying to communicate and stay connected. And potentially, they may be trying to access some data to get the latest status report or whatever on what's going on. Um, and so, uh, yes, I, I, I got to believe that the, I, this is the only way I know how to describe it, the pipeline that is available for all of that data to be traveling through um, needs to be big. Absolutely, yeah. And Joanne, we've—I mean, we've heard even you know from from refineries, right, or or manufacturing uh, chemical manufacturing type uh, plants, um, stories about the fact that you know they've got they've got workers that go out and do manual inspections, and in some cases they do it on paper and pencil. I mean, can you imagine? You know, today, some of our workers going out on paper and pencil and not not being able to just download some of that stuff directly on on an iPad or a, you know, a, a Microsoft Surface. So, you know, things like that, you, you, you think it's it's a bit unrealistic and it seems like, OK, well, that's 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 really like back in the, you know, that, that that's, that's, you know, it's 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 back in the whatever you want to call it. Right. Whatever time zone you time time for you want to call it. But it, it is a reality. And, and, and the reality of it is, is that it's it makes some of these companies inefficient in their operations, right? That, you know, the potential that these workers can save so much time being able to access some of that data right away. Right. So, yeah. so that's, yeah. that's, that's kind of the, uh, yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Well, Vera and I, I'm laughing at you because you're talking to someone that when I started and I spent um, over half of my career in operations management. And so it was with the folks in the field, that's all we had was clipboard and paper. So I love it that for you, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine that. And for me, it's like the other way around, right? This notion that you've got this device and you know you don't have to use the paper is, but so much better. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You're right. Absolutely. So much better. And so, so you guys have been doing this, this trying to help uh, these companies. And tell me again, what do you call these things? You call them... Um, we call them private cellular networks. Private cellular yeah, network. Private so cellular. the notion is um, each company or a company um, is creating their own little 5G or uh, island or, mm-hmm. or, or city or whatever. Um, and so they are not connected. They're not, their data there is not traveling on the internet, on uh, Wi Fi. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. It's, it's basically a, and just like you said, it's, it's almost like its own little island. Um, the the private cellular network, you know, let's imagine Wi-Fi, comparing it to Wi-Fi. Instead of Wi-Fi, they're they're using cellular um, cellular airwaves, what we call RF airwaves, and they're using those to reach the endpoints, right? Whether it's at an oil well or whether it's throughout a refinery or or you know at a at a small little uh, gas processing center. Um, and then they reach the end devices that may all, you know, of course, those also have to be uh, uh, cellular enabled, right? Whether it's LTE or 5G. Um, but the idea is that all of this sits behind the IT network, right? So it sits behind the IT network's firewall. So in order for for the communications of these networks to reach the internet, it has to go through the IT system for that particular company's IT system. So, so that's kind of the, the central idea around it. It's, it's your own little mini cellular private network that you as yeah. the IT folks operate and, and run. And so there's some security benefits 
as well as connect and all the connectivity and safety, there's also some security. Correct. Correct. That's a question. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons that some of the uh, some of the conversations we've had with some of our uh, some of our clients um, and some of the central reasons why they decide to go with private cellular networks is because of the security. Because, and I, I kind of liken this to you know you go to you go to a Starbucks and you get on the Wi-Fi network and one of the first warnings that the Star Starbucks screen tells you is that you know your your connection is not secure um, and so just kind of makes you aware of that and that's a Wi-Fi system right and so you know if you're thinking about let's say maybe you know maybe going on going onto your bank web page and doing a transaction there, you might think twice, right? So you may not do that. Or you might not do that. Yeah, exactly. But you know, you never think twice about doing it off of your off of your phone, right? Off of your off of the app on your phone. You know it's going through, you know, whatever LTE connection or mobile subscriber connection that you have. And you just complete it and you never think twice about it and you never, you know, you never have to worry about it. And then that's kind of similar uh, in uh, in private cellular networks, is that you know we've had uh, we've had a client uh, in uh, in Asia that uh, came to us and it was a rubber manufacturing plant um, and uh, they their IT group their security group actually was one of the one of the main decision makers about what network to use going forward and they said that you know they they evaluated our our uh, our, our offerings and and uh, one of the things they said comparing it to other technologies was that LTE and 5G cellular technologies were the most secure for what they needed in terms of security right and to isolate isolating the network and making sure other other um, parties couldn't uh, tap into the uh, to tap into the signal well that's quite an endorsement it is. It is. I mean, especially yeah. a big processing, you know, rubber, whether it's rubber manufacturing or chemical manufacturing and oil refinery, you know, the, um, the circumstances and, and, and in terms of the way our networks apply to them is, of course, it's, it's, it's very, very, uh, it's very similar. Great. So, yeah, Great. absolutely. So tell me a little, uh, tell me, um, can you think of, a, of an example can me talk to me a little bit about where you may, uh, Erickson may have already uh, done this. You, you gave us. You just gave us the example of the manufacturing facility. Um, but what about any anything come to mind when you think about oil and gas? Yeah, I can definitely. Uh, I can definitely provide one. Uh, we and then I think Amar, I'll let you. I know you've got some experience in the Middle East. I'll I'll let you also uh, comment on it afterwards. Um, so one one customer we worked with. Uh, we worked with our one of our operator customers, uh, Vodafone, out of the UK. Uh, and the the company we work with there, and this is of course all public information, um, uh, was Centrica uh, Storage Limited. So it's a UK company that uh, processes um, gas storage um, uh, as part of their as part of their operations. And one of the things that they told us, and you know, so when you look at it from outside, it looks like essentially a almost like a refinery type uh, type setting. Um, but uh, one of the things that they came came to us with was, or they, they came to our partner with Vodafone with, was that they they were operating in a 1970s type environment, and they really wanted a 21st century type solution to help answer some of their needs. And one of their 
one of their biggest asks was actually to upgrade their voice communication system. They have a push to talk voice communication system and, and they were they were saying that it's it's time for us to upgrade it and we need a solution that not only can get us the voice you know the voice the the critical voice communication, the push to talk capabilities amongst our workers, but we also needed to be able to, you know, be able to real time understand what our equipment was doing. So that meant, you know, being able to put more sensors out there, being able to provide our workers with safety gear and, and equipment that could keep track of the safety aspects of some of these workers, being able to allow our, our workers to be able to log information on tablets directly. So all these different things. And they had all these challenges that, that they were, you know, as they said, 1970s type uh, you know, uh, operations. Uh, and so uh, they they partnered with Vodafone. They used our private networks equipment uh, for LTE and 5G. And they implemented the uh, the solution into their, their processing center. And one of the things when we went back to our account team to say, you know, how's it going? How is, uh, how is uh, Centrica liking the equipment? And uh, one of the comments they made was that, you know, they were very, very impressed with the fact that when they walked around the facility, that the connection did not drop. You know, before when they were on Wi-Fi or whatever existing technology they happened to be using, the connection would would continuously drop, and they would either have to reconnect or or they would have to find some other means to to keep the connection going. Um, but they were really uh, really you know pleasantly surprised about the fact that uh, that the connection would would not drop. And as consumers, we take that for granted, right? We go from one point of the city to the next part of the city, and and we don't ever think twice when we're having a conversation on the phone. And you know we take it for granted, but but that is a reality in in some of these uh, some of these types of operations. So, Amar, I'll let you. I don't know if you uh, if you want to comment on some of the Middle East uh, examples. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm based in Dubai, and there's a lot of companies. Uh, you know, no need to mention names. One of the mm-hmm. biggest in the regions, and we have worked with them on uh, two requirements. One, they wanted to have drones for security and for assets monitoring. And the second one is also connected worker. But what it means, Joan, and maybe you'll relate to that, is the worker will wear a helmet. So we have tested that. So in this helmet, they have a small screen and they have a camera. And in the small screen, they have all the schematics of the facilities, all the manuals, all the root cause analysis, the whole maintenance history of the equipment. Uh, So when they go on site and they are connected, all this information available for them. And then they use Teams, you know, calls or, you know, FaceTime. So it is, as we said, I mean, it's the normal application, but it's all on their own private network. It does not go to the internet unless they want to. So what we have, one of the interesting examples that we have heard from one of the customer in Abu Dhabi, I mean, they send one engineer with a connected helmet over a private network. And behind him in the network operation center, they were 17 uh, people from engineers from different departments, facility, OT, IT, security. All of them did not have to go on a chopper to go to this offshore site. They just stayed and asked that person, can you check that for me? Can you replace this card for me? Can you show me what are you seeing on these cameras? So basically, sustainability is important and reducing CO2 emission by not sending, you know, and cost, because the cost is around $10,000 for a chopper to go on site. So imagine, you know, you save these people from going there and you had a lot of efficiency by having that person there. And that's beside the walkie-talkie old-fashioned 1970, 
now the person has a tablet and a phone and can do a video and communication. Uh, so those are the two things. And the security, and there's another thing that is hot subject, is leakage. You know, you are monitoring the pipelines, you are monitoring the critical infrastructure. Drones have been widely uh, deployed. And now I have in Dubai around like 10 RFPs, requests for proposals, from different companies saying, I want my own private network. I don't want public network because public network is prone to, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, uh, coverage issues and stuff. I want private network, which is a mission critical network. It has redundancy on all the levels. I want my data local. I want edge computing to happen. So I don't want, uh, you know, cloud or something. I want my own private cloud and edge analytics. So on the camera, on the drone, and on the workers. Yeah, that's a lot of data, isn't it? That's a lot of molecules or atoms or electrons or whatever that's moving uh, when you start talking about not only having, like you say, the connectivity from the people, but like you say, drone technology is fast becoming routine, uh, if it's not already routine. Um, and I, you know, I didn't even think about that. I do want to, Amar, I want to ask a question. I think I understand, but um, want to be sure. You mentioned in, I think, the, the first example um, where you said, uh, maybe, I can't remember which, but that, that um, the person had a small screen and that where they had access to all the schematics and the specs and the SOPs probably and things like that. And you meant like a handheld of some, or was the screen no. somewhere else? No, no, it's a connected helmet. So he puts it or she puts it on the top of their helmet and it has a small screen that they can see, you know. Uh, That's what I was wanting data. to hear. Exactly. So it's, it's like a, I don't know, it's like a, I don't know if I, it's, but anyway, it's, it's a, like it's, a heads it's up not, display kind of thing. It, yeah, it's not a handheld. It's like visually, it's, it's attached to the helmet so that literally it's within, they just have to look at it. They don't have to pick it up. It's on their glasses or on the helmet. The helmet has a screen. It's on the helmet. It has a small screen. You know, it's like sci-fi, but it's a reality these days. And the reason for that is it's oil and gas industry is very noisy and, you know, and very, you know, the person needs to use their hands. So this is very advanced that you can do uh, head gestures so you can move your head uh, and talk to it like Siri you know show me this open this file go to the other file and then we tested that and it is amazing I mean with all the noise that's happening <laughs> I two decades ago maybe I read a book <laughs> by Robin Cook and I'll never forget I remember him describe. I think it was Robin Cook, maybe. I don't know, but it, he was describing, maybe it was Michael Crichton, but whatever. He was describing these maintenance people who had the ability, they had what you're describing, and they were able to access the maintenance manuals or whatever. And these were people that were there doing the maintenance, so they needed their hands. And I remember thinking, because at that time, Varen, just for your information, <laughs> The guys in the field would be in their pickups 
and they would have the manuals, right? Just these paper manuals that might be in a vinyl, you know, three ring binder or something. And they'd be crammed, you know, in the toolbox or crammed in the glove box or down on the floor. Um, this notion that you could access what you needed to actually do high quality work and all that just blew my mind. And so Amara, that's what I was wondering when you said that I was thinking, gosh, I I just can't even imagine how empowering that is um, and enabling that is for people. I just think that's huge, but needs a tremendous amount of connectivity for sure. That's, that's amazing. Uh, and that's really the key. I mean, you need ubiquitous connectivity. You cannot have the person go from indoor to outdoor to a remote area and then get disconnected. And, you know, when we talk to some technicians or engineers who go to the site in a chopper, we have to carry everything, the binders, the manuals, the tools. And if we forget something, tough, we have to go back. The other thing that we have done, which is uh, going to be interesting for you, uh, we had support call. So the engineer on site in Abu Dhabi needed a support from Houston, from the headquarter of the manufacturer. So they just did a team call. So nobody needed to travel, just sitting, show me what you are seeing. And the person showed him. And then they were able to troubleshoot. And boom, within not minutes, but hours, everything got dissolved. So what I'm trying to touch, the ROI on an investment in a private network is not, it can easily be recognized by the oil and gas industry. Verin and I, we are not the expert, but I know you have on your podcast, a lot of the experts, they will relate exactly to what it means, Yeah, you know, for I, them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, uh, uh, like I said, I, I, I have to believe, like you said, the value uh, you know, uh, identifying and quantifying, probably relatively easy, the value uh, would not be difficult. And and I'll just, I won't go into great detail, but I'll just share an experience uh, with you. This notion of going offshore and having left your binder or your whatever back onshore, um, that's a very real and a very big risk. Um, at one point in time, I had responsibility for some offshore platforms and it was about this time of year or maybe a week or so later. Um, and, uh, so around Christmas, your normal folks weren't there and they had planned a job offshore, uh, and the, the engineer who had been all involved in, in, um, all of the shutdown that was needed, uh, wasn't there. And so the gentleman who now was running this, cause he was on vacation, right? The gentleman that was running this forgot some of those diagrams on everything that needed to be closed, gets on the helicopter, goes offshore, says, I remember this, goes ahead, and we had an explosion. Oh, wow. Now, thank goodness, the way the operations manager said is, we got a Christmas present, right? We had an explosion and nobody got hurt and we had no environmental, so I mean, it was a gift. But it was this notion of he did not have access to what he needed to have, but there was pressure to get the job done, on and on, right? So these are very real risks uh, because we're just human. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I will I will tell you that's, a story. That's one of the things I, I mean I think safety is definitely one of the uh, you know one of the advantages on you know on on private networks. It's um we, we kind of look at it as a three kind of a three-legged stool that that we feel that private networks can enable. Of course, one being cost and efficiencies and you know the, the more efficiencies you get the uh, the better costs. Um, you're able to realize along with also increased revenue production, right, through um, things like predictive maintenance and, and enabling predictive maintenance. But the second tier would be safety, right, being able to get workers, you know, being able to monitor the environment around them through sensors or, you know, workers wearing wearables, whether it's, um, you know, uh, whether it's being able to monitor their heart or temperature, body temperature, um, or, uh, you know, if they've fallen or lone worker type, uh, type applications, a lot of these are, are through, through, of course, safety and health. And then the third one is emissions, right? We, we talk about the fact that, uh, you can en- enable remote monitoring of emissions, whether it's cameras or, uh, you know, gas detection, uh, gas detection sensors. Um, so, so that's kind of how we, how we look at it. Yeah. Yeah. And the demand for that kind of data is, not doing anything but increasing exactly. yep. quickly, yep. rapidly, right? right. Um, right. So very, um, you know, really, really uh, fascinating uh, descriptions on on what's capable and and this notion about uh, not only, like I said, increasing the capacity, I guess, because it's not, or at least back in the days when I, it wasn't uncommon to uh, have connectivity issues and. And today, the implications of that um, are much larger, certainly, than they were back then, uh, about just not being able to stay in touch with someone. So that's so. Let me ask you: Where in an organization do people start saying, "Gosh, I think we need to do something different"? Is it at the operations level? Is it IT that kind of helps operations know maybe what's possible? Um, what do you guys see? Who comes to you and says, help? Uh, two, two people come to us. One is the OT who wants to implement advanced use cases. Uh, the other one who comes to us are the industrial companies like ABB, Bosch, and Siemens. And say, we are trying to implement this digital twin on a turbine or on a pump. But the problem we need like thousands of sensors or hundreds of sensors. And I was talking to some of them and I said, why? So what? Connect the sensors. He said, do you know how we connect the sensors? We connect them through. We have kilometers and miles of wiring. It's a nightmare to really have the sensors connected, you know, on one turbine or one pump to connect, to get the vibration, the heating and to shut it up and on. It needs a lot of, you know, you know, sensors, uh, sorry, wires. So with cellular connectivity, you know, we can do wireless sensors. I said 100%. We have partners who provide wireless sensors uh, connected directly to the cellular. And we can throw hundreds of them and you can get the data in real time. And they said, that's key. The problem we tell the OT companies, if you want to implement this use case, we need a solid connectivity. And the connectivity they have is wired or you know, uh, Wi-Fi or something that's not solid enough, secure enough, as Varen was talking about. So then we come, we are coming with the OT people who really need this efficiency and safety, and we are coming with those uh, industrial IoT 
companies that says we can do end-to-end. Varen, if you have another uh, view on this also, please. Yeah, no, I mean, I I agree. I mean, I think typically we we, we definitely get uh, the requirements from OT, right? OT says, you know, goes to the IT group and says, we need this much connectivity, right? Um, And... What we'd like to think of is that private networks is an option for them, right? There, there's, of course, always going to be companies that, that go to your, your mobile operators, right? If you have really remote cells and, and, and just onesies, twosies that are out in the middle of nowhere, you know, and, and, and cellular coverage is, is adequate um, from the mobile operator, you know, that's, that's always usually their first choice. But when you talk about certain things where, um, you know, where, where you need more coverage or even from a business standpoint that, hey, you know, our, our monthly expenses for connecting this many tablets or this many cameras becomes, you know, um, unsustainable. That's that's where private networks from a from a business standpoint really does make sense because it is cheaper after you hit a certain number of devices of, of paying monthly subscription fees. Um, it does become cheaper, right? Or, you know, imagine having you know, hundreds of cameras across your your footprint and and running continuous data streams across those foot you know across those uh, those cameras as well as the the throughput requirements right. Um, when when you look at the business case of a private cellular network for those type of applications, it really does make a lot more sense uh, compared to any other option that's that's typically out there. So. It starts at OT. It, of course, then cascades down to the IT yeah. groups usually. So that's that's kind of how it works within within organizations. And, and I'm not surprised, but you're being very kind, Varen, yeah. when you say the OT folks <laughs> go to IT and say, help. As a past OT person, let me tell you what the OT folks do. They go to IT and beat on them and say, you know what? It's not working. Whatever you're doing is not working. And then we've got really smart IT folks yeah. that have resources and have access to folks like yourself and they solve those problems. But, uh, but I think you're being kind right. <laughs> to say they go, they go and say help. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And, and well, so great, great information about, like you said, and as opposed to the subscription model or whatever, this notion that you can have some of your own infrastructure to provide uh, you know, the services that you're needing. Well, listen, I want to thank both of you. I, I love this conversation. I, 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 I love the fact that I see some sci-fi, uh, you know, notions coming with people wearing these little screens on their helmets. Gosh, I'd just love to see a picture of that. Um, to, um, you know, to this notion of the real, the, the fact is it really provides like a holistic benefits. I mean, it's, it's like, uh, uh, you know, it's 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 wide ranging. It sounds like in in how this can actually enable um, uh, greater productivity, greater safety, uh, uh, all kinds of things. So, um, I'll give you guys an opportunity for a last word if you'd Absolutely. like to, Varen or Amar. Sure. Yeah, I can. I can do something real quick. Um, so, I mean, one of the things that we always, you know, if, if uh, the, the the one line that we typically tell uh, our, our clients is, you know, when you look at digitalization, you look at all these different things: the amount of data, the data lakes, the data analysis, the, um, you know, the the applications, the the and, and all the things you can do through digitalization. What we say is that you know, don't let connectivity be that choke point in that big pipe, right? If you imagine a garden hose. You know, don't let connectivity be this little clamp or this clasp on that garden hose that squeezes the garden hose, right? 
you know, yeah. open that clasp up, right, and and let the garden hose kind of freely, freely, uh, you know, let the water flow, right. Um, and so that's that's what that's the way we envision connectivity and, and private cellular connectivity is is basically yeah. freeing up that clamp. Right. Amar, I'll let you. I'll let you comment as well. Uh, as you know, I am the partner, global partner, also manager as part of my duties. And what I want to say, it's all about collaboration. So yes, we provide the cellular connectivity, which is the infrastructure. We have to collaborate with companies who does the sensors, who does the IoT platform, and then work with the OT team to deliver an end-to-end solution. So yes, we do a POC or proof of value, but we still, it's all about collaboration. We come piece of the puzzle, uh, and that's why when we engage with our customers or our partners, we work together and we provide an end-to-end solution. That's our goal hub. So if there is any you know, innovative solutions or part companies, we would love to talk to them and explore how we can together drive the digitization of the oil and gas industry. Excellent. Well, listen, thank well, thank you guys, both of you, so much for being here. This has been a really fascinating conversation. Yeah. Um, and so with that, I think we will, uh, we will um, sign off and let Amar maybe grab some dinner uh, uh, Varen, Varen and I just finished breakfast, but we'll let uh, Amar get something to eat, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. And uh, again, I want to say thank you to HPE, of course, for making this possible. Please go to hpe.com and, and check out what they've got, and particularly their new Green Lake platform, or relatively new Green Lake platform. Um, and certainly say thank you to all of you that uh, listened in, and thank you again to Amar and Varen. And so until that, uh, till the next episode, so long. Come back next week for another venture into the real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.